Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi everyone, I'm Sean Callahan, And hi everyone, I'm Mark Shank. And before we get into the story for today, we're just getting over the celebrations of our 15th birthday party. Tremendous, it was good fun, wasn't it? It was huge. We had the party at the State Library of Victoria, had about 80 people there, and it was a super night. And thanks for all of our, uh, our friends and clients and family uh, who turned up and helped make it such a fantastic night. Mm, that was good. Now, we have a, a topic which we were just sort of chatting about today, right, about this idea of, uh, you know, those, those beliefs that we can easily get stuck on. Um, Umberto Eco once called them background books, you know, sort of that, that sort of the, what sits in the background that sort of keeps us thinking in one particular way and it's hard for us to challenge those assumptions. So we thought we'd share a couple of stories that a leader could use to actually help challenge, get that conversation going, right? Absolutely. We're going to call this episode Blinded by Beliefs. Yeah. And just how easy it is for us to let our decision-making be affected by the by the way we see the world in a completely unconscious way. Yeah. Those uh, unconscious biases that have such a big impact. And uh, the first story, Sean, you're going to lead off? Yeah, I'll kick off. So uh, Marco Polo, as he was uh, you know, heading out to explore the world, uh, was heading over to China, and of course, as he was getting ready to go, the people who were sponsoring his, his journey, you know, the, the, the princes, princesses of, of Italy at the time, um, sort of said, look, while you're over there, Marco, can you just kind of see if you can capture a couple of unicorns? Because we know in Europe we've killed out all the unicorns. But I'm sure in China there's probably a few unicorns. and Makes sense. Yeah, you can pick up some while you're there. And <laughs> so, yeah, sure, I'll, uh, I'll do that. And, of course, he went to China and guess what? He couldn't find any unicorns. But uh, he happened to be passing through um, well, what is now Indonesia and he found a bunch of unicorns. Uh, he was very surprised by this. And, first of all, uh, they went exactly how he imagined, you know, that beautiful white you know, coat, didn't have that. It was sort of like Some a elegant looking thing. Yeah, you know, it didn't have that. It was more of a, a tough sort of real hide, if you like, or a, you know, sort of real tough kind sort of leathery. armor like leathery. It had the horn, but oh, yeah. um, the horn on its nose, but it was kind of stumpy. Didn't have the beautiful long horn. But he figured, oh, well, they just have different unicorns in this part to of the world. To have a nice, you know, that beautiful white tail flapping. No, just a little tail which used to spin when it, you know, oh. so at, at times. Um, so yeah, anyway, he packed up a few, took those back, and he had some unicorns. Oh, beautiful. Now, of course, we know today these things weren't unicorns, they were rhinoceroses! <laughs> <laughs> but, but he was looking for a unicorn. Yeah. And, and he found by it. goodness, he found, he he found, found some. Exactly. So this is a classic example of background books. You know, this is, it was just embedded in everyone's mind. And you think about how many times in business we look at something and we make a judgment about it very quickly and it really it doesn't matter whether you're right or wrong we're blind to it. We're yeah. blind to the things that that lead us to make that decision. And so one of the the you know this is the why um, surfacing unconscious bias and and all of those assumptions is vital. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, that's the first one. So you can imagine, I can imagine a leader standing in front of a group of people, you know, just wanting to set the scene about how important it is not to get too carried away with, you know, the consensus view and throwing that story into, you know, make people laugh a little bit and at the same time make an important point. Absolutely. And uh, 
I can just picture in, in that meeting room, there's somebody back in the 12th century when Marco Polo pitches up and everyone's going, oh, unicorn, unicorn. And there's somebody going, oh, rhinoceros. And people just dissing him, like <laughs> dismissing him out of hand, like the crazy person in the corner. Yeah, that's right. Uh, What's this rhinoceros talk? Yes. Um, and that's a, uh, that's a really important lesson as well in business is that the the consensus view, the prevailing wisdom is often wrong. And in just our, one of our recent episodes, we talked about the, 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 the difficulty of um, recognizing and overcoming the prevailing wisdom. And so the voice of that sounds initially crazy that uh, goes against the group, uh, that, that's often the one you should listen to. Yeah, often I think is, is probably a little strong because I, I suspect you know the wisdom of crowds, which is the other end of the spectrum, might suggest that um, when you get a group of people, the consensus can actually lead you in the right direction. So I reckon it's somewhere in between where you just have to be mindful of the fact when you've got the guy who's way out on the edge of the of the curve, if you like, sort of saying, hey, you know, it's a bit like uh, Moneyball and, uh, you know, the Brad Pitt character coming yeah. in and sort of saying, hey, no, no, we can pick uh, players just based on their stats. And, of course, the common wisdom there was, no, no, it's how they look and what the bat sounded and, you know, their swing style and things like that, right? <laughs> so uh, I think these are all little examples you can have just to get people thinking, okay, there's another way of, of tackling it. Yeah. Well, one of the ways, I think, is to, is to be aware of the extent to which people are invested in the status quo. Tell me another story. Uh, in 1889... Right. So a few historical ones here. Uh -huh. 1889... In an archaeological dig in Sweden, mm -hmm. uh, a warrior's grave was found. It was a 12th century warrior's grave, or sorry, 10th century uh, grave, and inside was uh, the the remains of a of a warrior. Yep. And all the accoutrement of a professional soldier. So, so we're talking Viking. Viking. Sort of, this is a Viking. Viking yeah, sort of burial This is a ground. Viking professional soldier. Right. There was a the long sword. There was the short sword. There was the knife. Uh, shield, spear, a bow and arrow, armor piercing uh, arrows. There was two. Wow. There were two horses uh, buried in the in the in the grave. Sort of a stallion for charging yeah. into battle, and then a, a pack horse. Uh, uh, there were uh, like like uh, like chess pieces. And when you imagine in in if you picture Game of Thrones, where they have all those pieces out. So this is these are the the, the what soldiers use to strategize battle tactics. And sure, yeah. So right. anyway, this is a professional soldier. Uh -huh. And apparently at the time somebody said, oh, it looks like a, it looks like a woman's skeleton and was dismissed out of hand. Right. Like, this is 1889. Okay. In the 1970s, uh, the, uh, another group of scientists looked at that, the, the, the stuff from, from that uh, archaeological dig and they did a bone analysis, what I call an osteological analysis of the bones. Anyway, the strong evidence that was a, 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 a woman. woman. Yeah, yep. but of course, no, 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 you got that wrong, because the idea of a shield maiden that was a myth, right? This the this woman warrior, thinking, the female warrior. Their thinking, the, yeah. yeah, people are going. The, all the experts are going. No, 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 no. That's a myth. In 2017 or thereabouts, a DNA analysis was done, proving conclusively that it was a woman, right? Buried with all this stuff. Uh -huh. But of course, a whole. A whole bunch of people just completely dismissed that out of hand in terms of it, this could not have been a female warrior because they were saying things like, oh, well, she must have been buried with the soldier and the soldier was removed. His, his remains were removed before the archaeological expedition. No evidence for this. Like zero. Yeah. 
But that was the argument. The other one was, oh, well, maybe she was buried. Uh, she inherited that stuff from a husband who was the warrior and she was buried with all this stuff. Right, right. Uh, of course, yeah, she, there was a completely, there was no domestic stuff in there at all. And But like, there's no evidence to support this view. But even to, in spite of ridiculously overwhelming evidence that this was, in fact, a Viking shield maiden, people still going, no, no, no. Classic. Now, I have a, a Viking fact for you. Ah, far away. I'm, 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 I, You're open I, to Viking I, facts? I am a bit partial to that. Okay, so my dear friend Peter Fox, who uh, is over in the UK, is in fact, he's just written a book called The Shadow of Fenrir. It's a, a, a story of a young Viking fellow and, and all the interesting things that happened to him. So check it out on Amazon, guys. And Check and, it out. And it's... I'm going to check that out because, uh, firstly, Fox is a great guy. But the second one is he's such a, a historic, you know, he's a nut. He's a geek for, for oh, history. Yes. He, he and knows Viking his, history. And yeah. this is the one that he told me because, of course, we all know the Viking with the helmet, horned helmet. Yep. Well, it turns out, uh, I think there might, out of all the, you know, sort of archaeological digs, I think there might be only one that they've ever found a helmet with horns on it. The whole horned helmet thing was... It happened long after the Vikings to demonise, literally demonise the actual Vikings. To be, again, to tell uh, stories that people would, uh, you know, think poorly of those poor old Vikings. I mean, they were just here to rape and pillage. Yeah, yeah. So, Burn down a few churches. on PC these days. Yeah. The, um, but I guess the thing that uh, is, is interesting in all these, right, is, you know, the, the, that Viking you know, sort of burial story and even in the Marco Polo story is that uh, there's a quite an emotional bond to these uh, ideas that we have, right? that we know about the confirmation bias, you know, and, and, you know, there's other psychological biases that keep us attached to the ideas that we have. But the funny thing is people are so in business, of course, they're going, well, show us the data. You know, if we can just get the data, you know, we shall have the truth. And, and we... And this is beautiful because often when people say, give me the data, yeah. they're looking for a way of saying no to whatever it is that you're proposing because it's not <clears> what they currently believe. And this brings us on to the next the next example that well, we're going to share. Well, it's a very recent one. I was at a university. Uh, uh, I was just talking to a group of university people last uh, early this week, actually. And it was the data analyst group. right? So they're doing all the analysis of, you know, different parts of the university. And they were telling me that, um, I actually asked them, I said, look, is there a time where you've had trouble convincing, you know, you had all the data there, but it was trouble convincing the decision makers. And it was almost like immediate. (laughs) They're all going, yep. They went, yeah, actually, we know there was this uh, flagship program that the executives were very proud of, you know, because it was kicking kicking ass in all the right ways in the sense of, you know, hitting the right numbers, you know, the right level of students, the quality, everything was just fabulous. And they had developed, so this had gone on for some time, you know, it was doing really well. And then they had uh, presented some data to show that the shine of that, you know, sort of beautiful program had been just worn off a little bit. All right, so it wasn't as good as everyone was making it out to be. Well, it was in the beginning, but over time it had worn away. And in fact, it was now dipping down to a point where you know, it wasn't great. And they showed that to the executives who had so much benefits from this uh, flagship program. And of course, their view was, oh no, the data is wrong. 
<laughs> right? And that give me the data, give me the data. No, 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 I don't like that data. Exactly. So it was just so interesting that, and so they found that it took them six months before they could, you know, sort of get them to the point where they could pivot, if you like. But that meant that was six months before they could fix the problems that they were actually facing in the data. And because this data was lag data, right? So, you know, you really only reflected something that was going on 12 months before that. You had this massive time period, right? You had turning around a large ship. So... And they, Again, they lost you know, all that time. Yeah, they lost the time. Anyway, so they, they eventually got there and turned it around, but just shows you how data at one, at one level, you think, oh, yeah, just show me the data, and people are going to... And, and these, it's so interesting listening to the data analysts because they're saying, look, we want to be in, um, an impartial and empirical uh, group that influences decision-makers. Do you hear the contradiction there? To influence decision-makers... They think that they're just going to throw out that data and just beautifully, you know, sort of line up those columns or whatever, and that will immediately switch. But as we know, that's it doesn't not the work. Case. You need more. That's why data storytelling now has become such a such a, yeah. such a big area. Yeah, and uh, the, man, the confirmation bias, where if you believe something, you just re- you it's ridiculous the lengths we go to to reject information that doesn't accord with the thing we already believe. Yeah, yeah, we do a little bit of uh, dance there, sort of yeah. interpretive dance. Yeah. Now, I, I want to go back to the Viking one because I, I, I think that's a really important one because you think about the, the assumptions that are, that are underpinning this belief that it could only have been a man. And you think about our attempts in business to achieve uh, to, you know, gender equality, right? Um, pay equality, you know, any sort of equality. The assumptions that are in the way of achieving that are enormous, and that that, that story kind of highlights just how difficult it is to to change our behaviour, change our beliefs, and and actually make better decisions. Because you know, and, the, and and these biases are not you can't be overly rational with them to fix them, right? So I heard an example. There's a, a film festival here in Melbourne. I th- I'm just trying to remember. It's short films. I can't remember the name of it now. Um, and for a long, long time, uh, they found that the directors were predominantly male. You know, it was like 70-30, even if it was that good, right? And, and so, but, you know, these were all pretty, you know, sort of creative people, you know, felt that, it, you know, obviously believed in equality. But here they were getting this situation where there was 70%, um, you know, I'm just making up 70%. But I, I, large, I, look, I remember that story. It was, it was bigger than that. Yeah, it, it, was, it was... It was almost no female representation. Right. So they did the basic things that you do when you're trying to fix those types of problems. First of all, they took all the names off the um, submissions that people were making. They uh, made sure that there was no uh, depiction or imagery showing them, essentially so they couldn't tell which gender. Guess what? 50-50? Oh, dear. Isn't that amazing? So even though these people would, if you were to ask them the question, would you like equality? Absolutely. Oh, we do everything we can to just support equality. Yet it's so embedded, it's so ingrained, yeah. Yeah. And it's right. hard it's, to just pull out. And and we're often blind to it. Yeah. And I'm sure these people would have, over at dinner parties, drinking their wine, would have been arguing vehemently that they were not biased in any way, shape or form in this regard. Correct. And yet the behaviour belies that because yeah. of beliefs, as Umberto Eco says, those background books are driving so much of our behaviour. Yeah. And so... In in uh, in organisations in leadership roles, we have to be really aware of this. And some of these examples that we're give, giving might help 
raise awareness of some of the issues and, and, and maybe cause people to just maybe ask the question. Yeah. Is this something driving my behaviour? And by the way, you know, Sean and I are not sitting here going that we're not susceptible to this because we absolutely are, just like everybody. Um, and in fact, having this conversation is really good because it reminds me of there's times where I, I have to step back and go, what's driving this decision? Yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, that's what we just wanted to leave you with a few stories. It's a bit different to our, you know, sort of typical uh, podcast episode where we just give you one story and pull it apart. We thought we'd just give you a few different stories, almost get a feel for it, what it sounds like when you're, you know, using them in a conversation. But we're hoping to hear back, you know, please, you know, provide us uh, feedback on whether you got an opportunity to use the Marco Polo story or the Viking uh, burial story, because... Yeah, we just love to hear how these things are actually used out in the wild. And we're surprised at the, the, the variety and, and the, how it's actually done. So do that. That'd be great. Yeah. And so there were three stories shared there. So there's three different stories. In fact, there's more. But the three main ones, the, the uh, Marco Polo, the Shield Maiden, and the Data Analysts. Yeah. So those can all go into your story banks. And if you find one, or one of them particularly useful, we'd love to hear that as well. Yeah. Okay, guys, I think that's where we'll uh, wrap things up. Uh, thanks very much for uh, you know, sort of coming along to the journey today. And uh, we'll see you next time where we'll put together um, an episode where you know, we can do more to put stories to work. Thanks again. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.